Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of the Switchaboo podcast. Actually, 27 this time. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> hey, I didn't have a reference to check. That's true. That's true. I normally check before each episode, and yeah, it wouldn't have really helped if I checked last episode because I wasn't there. So I apologize for that, everyone. But I'm back, and we've got a. I mean, honestly, we've got a. We got a very focused episode today. It's news light, but there's a. There are two big things that have happened this week. Probably one you uh, guys already know about, but we'll get stuck into it. First up, I should pr- actually introduce uh, who I'm with, my co-host, Nathan Rudd. Probably should. Yeah. Hello again. And the, uh, let's go assistant to co-host again, uh, Jake Mouncey. He's been demoted. <laughs> well, before he was a cynical guy. Oh, he yeah. still is a cynical guy, but. Yeah, I know, but it was the title. <laughs> the cynical guy, Jake Mouncey. There yep. we go. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the title. <laughs> um, because I accidentally demoted and then promoted you again, Jake, let's start with you. What have you been playing? Uh, <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> well, uh, uh, the majority of uh, what I've been playing this week is uh, just, I'm, I've just been nerding out about Yu-Gi-Oh! Because Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel came out. Go check out my review that came out. That was, uh, it, it, it's really good. <laughs> what, the game or the review? Should I blow my own horn here? <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, the game the game is good. I I I love it. It is fantastic. Like me, Bruno, and you know, our circle of friends have just been playing it nonstop, like all week, and it's just been an absolute blast. That's awesome. like you're back in primary school again. Yeah, yeah, because like I I've been a Yu-Gi-Oh nerd for like the longest time. Like I've had a couple of dips where it's like eh, i don't really feel like it because you know Yu-Gi-Oh evolves in the weirdest ways you can say if, that again yeah yeah like like let's just invent new rules it's like oh all right cool so yeah i like my first uh yeah like my first little hiatus for Yu-Gi-Oh was the introduction of xyz summoning and I didn't come back until the end of the Pendulum era. This is... I cannot imagine what it's like to be someone who doesn't know Yu-Gi-Oh! And, like, listening to this conversation. <laughs> it's, but, it's, uh, where has this game gone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was, like, my first dip. Then I came back a little bit. And then shortly after that, I think a month after I came back, it's like... Hey, we're introducing Link Summoning. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I dipped again and like only recently came back like last year. But uh, yeah. You came back hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I've, I've been doing pack openings on my stream. <laughs> I have so many cards, I don't know what to do with them. But yeah, yeah. Like, anyway, back to, back to the actual video game of Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, it's good to finally have, like, a dual simulator for Yu-Gi-Oh! again, like, finally. Because, like, pretty much every other uh, card game has had one. Like, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Hearthstone, like, everything. Like, Yu-Gi-Oh! the last one. We finally got it, and... Like, yeah, pretty much everyone was like, What's the catch? Yeah. Why is this so good? This is this is made by Konami. Something like something has to go wrong here. 
Like, are the servers run by orphan blood or something? What is going on? But, but yeah, like, this game is fantastic. Because, like, it's really easy to get the decks that you want, especially considering how many cards there are in this game. And all of them are pretty much, well, pretty much all of them are legal. Uh, the game is very generous with its in-game currency. Like, to the point where it's like, you can just get 10 packs every, like, two days. If you play regularly enough, like, at, when, you, when you first start, you can get, like, a hundred and something. And just, like, whatever you don't want, just get rid of, and you can craft whatever cards you want. It is incredibly accessible. Unless you've been playing, like, unless you've only played the game, like, back when it first came out, like, a lot of people. Me. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, I play... Dark Magician and everyone's just like set up their boards and it takes like they use up half their deck in a single turn and it's like what do I do against this? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah Yu-Gi-Oh! has like the most egregious case of like um, why am I blanking on the word? Power creep. Power creep, thank you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in like any uh, any card game ever it is it is goddamn crazy. But for those people uh, Konami is working on, you know, separating uh, players into groups. So it's like, if you just want to play original Yu-Gi-Oh, you can play that. If you want to play, like, the GX era, you can do that. Yeah, it's like, it's a shame it's not there, like, at the beginning, but, like, you know, it's something that they're working on. So Was that's good. there a rule set difference between original and GX? Uh, not really. It's just a lot of people just don't like change yeah yeah let me know when that happens actually i mean you probably will but like um, oh yeah definitely <laughs> but i i do have nostalgia for for the original Yu-Gi-Oh, like the first five seasons and that original um those original decks so i'd be i'd be actually keen to jump in it myself considering master Duel is free yeah yeah it is like i i think konami uh put out like the downloads like, the collective downloads that they've seen, like, already. Like, the game's only been out for a week, and I think it's 10 million downloads already? That's impressive. Wow. Yeah, something ridiculous like that. That's good. <laughs> but, it's, yeah. Is it, does it have cross-online play? I believe it does. I believe it does, because I think be I... Yeah, I was watching someone play the other day. They were playing it on Xbox, and, like, yeah, they're... Uh, the person they were playing against had, like, different, like, account things. So it's like, oh, okay, so he must be playing on Xbox while someone else is playing on PC. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And they're even working on a mobile version as well, and that's going to come out, I think, next month? That's impressive. That's yeah, cool. yeah, it is, it is really great. I've been having a lot of fun with this. Thing is, though, I'm already bored. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm already bored with it. Not because of the game itself, but because of the players. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Please. Guys, for the love of God, play something other than Blue Eyes. I am so sick of playing against Blue Eyes players. <laughs> like, Blue Eyes, White Dragon's the best card ever made, ever. <laughs> for a while, yeah. <laughs> it's still technically the best normal monster in the game, just because of the amount of support it's go, uh, gotten over the years. 
and like which is a lot. yeah like even uh back when i returned to the game like after my first hiatus uh bloy has got such good uh like new cards at the time they became like the meta deck at the time like Blue-Eyes is stupid powerful and like the way that uh master duel works it is really easy to make a blue eyes deck just from starting up because like how it works is like if you get a rare card from a pack you'll uh unlock you'll temporarily unlock a new pack which will focus on that archetype and one of the starting decks has blue eyes in it so like right from the get-go pick that just blue eyes cards just right just immediately yeah but yeah, like 90% of the players that I have played against all week and uh, Blue Eyes players, and I'm just so bored. Well, I mean, I when, back when I was a kid, like I had a choice between the Yugi deck or the Kaiba deck. And of course you'd pick the Kaiba deck because Blue Eyes is stronger than Dark Magician. Yeah, exactly. So I might be one of the... If, if I do jump onto it, I might be one of those who picks Blue Eyes as well. I'm sorry. There's a lot of archetypes. To be fair, Blue Eyes is very easy to pick up. I will be part of the problem, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, see, I want to play an archetype called Sue Ships. (laughs) That, yeah. uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! is wild. But yeah, that that is a uh, recent archetype that's come out in recent sets. Yeah, like, the whole archetype is uh, based around a Japanese pun, because... uh, uh, th- there's some type of sushi roll that, like, I think when it's uh, written in, like, katakana or something, it can be read as Dreadnought. Like, as in, like, a Dreadnought-class ship. So the whole deck is just ships that are made out of sushi. Gukanmaki. Or Gunkanmaki. <laughs> there it is. It means battleship roll. There, that's what it was. That's what it was, Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. So the whole oh. deck is just sushi-based battleships. <laughs> but yeah, there are so many like really cool and also really dumb cards like that in Yu-Gi-Oh, which is why I love it so much. Just, you know, you got ancient samurai robots. You have literally Power Rangers. You have... Uh, my pers- my personal favorite uh dumb archetype, which is Cosmos, which is uh what would happen if uh Wizard of Oz and Star Wars fused together? Good that Lord. is literally the archetype. Like there's Luke Skywalker that is, you know, Dorothy. Uh the Cowardly Lion got fused with Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually have that card. Like, physically. It is hilarious. Isn't there also a VTuber Phantom Thieves? Yes, that is also... <laughs> oh my goodness. also an archetype. VTubers by day, Phantom Thieves by night. The, uh, the live twins, yes. <laughs> it is so dumb. Good lord. Uh, but yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh is fantastic. I love it. <laughs> it's funny because, I mean... With Konami being Konami, it's really the only only IP that they're really supporting. Yeah, it outside really of is. Machines. Yeah, outside of Pachinko. Exactly. I mean, that. the last other thing they did, I think, was uh, the Contra game, Rogue Corps. 
Oh, yeah, that that thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. And then before that was uh, Metal Gear Survive, wasn't it? Yep. Ooh. <laughs> so, Oof. and that's the thing, to think that, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel actually came out really well. They've just got a little corner where the developers are just crushing it, then everyone else is just, they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's... Yu-Gi-Oh! really is the only thing, video game-wise, that Konami has going for it. Uh, they had Bomberman. That's true, 2017. I forgot Bomberman is Konami. I know, it's, it's weird to think now. Yeah, I, I always think it's Bandai Namco, but no. It was Hudson Soft. Yeah, it was Hudson first, then Konami acquired it at yep. some point. Yeah, yeah. And that's not the first acquisition we'll talk about today, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Anyway, uh, other than that, I've uh, I've played a little bit of Scarlet Nexus. Do you guys remember hearing about this game? I do. I've been. It's on my watch list uh, on my on my Xbox and the watch later. But I just don't know when I'm going to have the time for it. But it looks good. It it, it plays good. Yeah, right. It is, it is a really good action RPG. I really like it. Thing is, though, it's like, when I just play a really good game in my spare time, my content creator brain kicks in. <laughs> it's like, this is really good. I have to stop playing this so I can stream it or make YouTube videos out of it so other people can see this. <laughs> Like, I've had the game for, like, two weeks now. I've only put three, maybe four hours into it because of that. Every time I, every time I go to pick it up, it's like, no, I cannot play this without other people watching me. Adding your schedules uh, been a bit clustered at the moment. Yeah, that's another thing, so I'll never get to it. Yeah, I, I legit hate this part of my brain now. I hate it. I can't just sit down and enjoy games anymore. I need to turn everything I touch into online content. It's, I, I mean, I don't do streaming, so exactly the same, but I definitely know what you mean. Ever since I started writing reviews, I can't, I, I feel guilty almost playing it's, something. For, exactly. For, yeah, for myself. Like, I feel like I need to be writing about this. I need to be saying something. I or, need to be working on something that involves this. Yeah, and it's, I, I mean, it's it sounds like a very, it's it's very much a first world problem, but like, it really is something that it's it's almost like, it's it's our favorite pastime, but we've turned it into work. And while that's not a bad thing, per se, yeah, it, you do feel the the guilt. It's it very it real. It to play games for pleasure. Yeah, mm. and, and I'm constantly critiquing things as well. Yes, it's hard to turn off that critic side of your brain. Yeah. And just yeah. it off and, and have fun. Like, people have noticed that, like, when I play video games just by myself, I will talk to myself just because I've done so many years of, like, streaming and Let's Plays and stuff. I cannot, you know, play games in silence anymore. <laughs> and, like, once someone pointed that out to me, I've picked up on it. And every time, like, I just speak from, like, reaction, I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. It's like stop. 
just sit down, play the game, have fun. It's like, no! No! Does your streaming room have um, noise cancellation? It sure does. Ah, that'll help then. Yeah. Um, Nathan, you've been flat out. Have you been playing anything? Not a lot, but I'll, I'll start off with my, my uh, facts at least. Ah, yeah. Um, I thought, go back to um, Chrono Trigger. So I had a couple of uh, interesting facts I found for this one. Uh, so Chrono Trigger was the first game to have true, like, you know, true to the story, multiple endings. Okay. So there was what? nine different endings depending on, you know, what you did, if you, you know, based on the dialogue or completing tasks in time. So you say the first true game that did that, yeah, were there other games? From what I can see... Um, I suppose you had Metroid. And yeah, you... so like there, there was like, you know, that, but there's not like an actual like multiple ending that has a different story side to it. It's like, a, yeah, hey, this is different. Hey, Samus being revealed as a girl, that's as a, as a woman, that's pretty big. That's a story. Yes, but that doesn't change the story itself, does it? No, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Devil's Advocate. Yeah. But yeah, like, and that's obviously spun off to a lot of things. Yeah. In the RPG genre, especially as well. Even just, you know, Fallout and Telltale. That's a good point. Yeah. And then the other thing that it was a first game to uh, be was New Game Mode, like New Game Plus. Yeah. Ah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's like there, there was some that, like, you know, they let you play it in a slightly different way where, you know, there was slightly more difficult, but it wasn't New Game Plus specifically. You know, where you get your weapons, skills, experience, and all that. Yeah. Yeah, like New Game Plus as we know it now. Yeah. Trust Square to invent that. Yeah. And this one actually was very impressive. The English translation was done in 30 days. Huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a good translation as well. It is. Is it the same one? Like, is it the same person who did all the other translations, like Final Fantasies? I'm not sure. Ted Wolsey, yeah. He uh, translated Final Fantasy IV. Okay. That's still very impressive. Yeah, he, had, uh, he got told he had 30 days to meet the release schedule. Well, that's mean. And he did it. For multiple endings as well. Mm. And it was just one person back then as well. Oh, that's that's rude. Because you know there wasn't teams back then. It was like, hey, you're a translator. You got thirty days. Yep. I hope he got paid well. Oh, you'd hope so. He probably didn't, but I hope he did. He did a really good job with it. Yeah, it's a very influential game. Yeah, I didn't. I I liked Chrono Trigger. I didn't love it, but I played it probably like four years ago. To be fair, we didn't get it in Australia until the DS. Yeah, and and that is the version I played. Um, mm. But you're you're right. Like we didn't get it for quite some time here in Australia. But yeah, I liked it. I didn't love it, which is but, fair. Yeah, different impact based on now to you know back when it first came out. I think so. Yeah, if I played it as a as a child back in the nineties, I would have I would have fallen in love with it. I reckon. Yeah, and we we had more we had more time as children. We could oh, yeah actually explore things. Go talk to every NPC and find out, you know, things that you that they do. Exactly, yeah. It's the, it's the finer details that make RPGs. 
Imagine having time to do that. I remember those days. Imagine having time to play video games, which I did not have this week or <laughs> the week before. The only did thing you... I really played was a half stone on like a lay down. I'm tired. Couple of games. Play half stone, yeah. Nice. They, you... Yeah, they, they released an update for the uh, auto battler mode, which you know adds more fun to that. When is that coming to Switch? I doubt it will, especially with news to talk about. But still, like it's just, it's just such a natural fit. I don't I don't get it personally. Is it on other consoles? No, no. it's only on PC, uh, tablets, and mobile. That doesn't make any sense to me. It feels like a missed opportunity. It does. It really does. But that's what they went with. Okay. Well, I've I've been playing Unforeseen Incidents, which is which you guys talked about that in the indie roundup uh, last last episode. That was the one with the the dumb looking guy. Yeah. And the skinny oh, legs. Yeah. yeah. It was really good. I gave it eight out of ten. It was. It did look really good. Yeah. The story is so ironic though, because it's about a pandemic fever. Like um, yeah, and and it came out before everything everything happened. So I'm like, this is just this was just predicting the future, yeah. really. Because I think it came out that the game came out about three years ago on Steam and whatnot. But yes, it's 2018. So yeah, four for, years. for a for a point and click adventure game, it is quite. It's much more accessible than a lot of other point and click games. Like some point and click games I've played, and it's it's just so obtuse of the things you have to do it's it, and it's it can become very discouraging bruno for example did a he just posted his review on detective d which that was a point and click game and he's like i just didn't know what to do i'm like do you play point and click games much he's like no not really i'm like there you go it's mm. something it's something you have to play the genre to understand the logic yeah you yeah. need to understand sierra logic yeah it's pretty much really bad and like people have nostalgia for that so when they develop games, they develop games with that same logic, and it doesn't translate very well sometimes. But this one, Unforeseen Incidents, tries to break away from that a bit. And it's really cool. You start off with a multi-tool, and, which is like, you know, you've got scissors, knife, um, pincers, a wrench, like, and it's all on this multi-tool. And it's yeah, screwdriver, yep. Um, and it's hilarious. He makes so many jokes about it. He's like, my, my multi-tool! Um, and he, like, holds it above his head like, like Link. Um, but it's, you start off with that, and that kind of gives you... It kind of gives, gives you a chance to figure out the logic behind the game and how, and how things can be solved. And the game does go... It, it can be quite predictable if, you've, if you're um, familiar with conspiracy theories in games. Um, like in that kind of genre niche, but it's it's it is a very good game and it's very well made. The only thing is, it's it's the uh, the controls. He doesn't control very well sometimes, and like it's weird when you see a character on like a hand painted two D background and then this model walking, and it just looks it looks like he's just floating. Yeah, or like he just walks through stairs, and you're like, um, that's not yeah, right. That, that... That's the difficulty of that kind of art style. Yeah, but overall, it is it is a great game. Um, it, so is he is he an actual idiot? Uh, yes and no. He's 
he's very much clueless about a lot of things and yeah he's the he's like the typical handyman where he's like he's very good at fixing things so he's very smart about um fixing things going hands-on like towards one of the earlier missions you have to fix a car basically and then uh. so you've got to replace all the all the different um parts in under a car boot so that you can proceed to the next area um so he's very hands-on he's very uh kinesthetic i suppose you could say like he's very very hands-on with things but yeah. when when you start going into the depths of like the the conspiracy and all that kind of stuff he's like i have no idea what's going on and he'll just kind of go in guns blazing without guns uh and then just not think about blazing the- yeah, pretty much, and then not think about the consequences. So, and then you've you've got a character, a side character that he meets along the way, and she's a freelance journalist, so she's the smart one. Yeah. So it's it's got that balance, and yeah, his eyes are very dim witted for for a reason. Like he does he does play on that every now and then. The humor is fantastic. I laughed it, a it lot. It did look genuinely funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a very funny game. It's about ten hours long, so which is which is good for a point and click game. Um, yeah, Unforeseen Incidents would definitely recommend it. Um, and of course, Banjo Kazooie came out on Nintendo Switch Online, so I've been playing that. Something you'd definitely recommend. Oh, I have, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, I'm so used to playing the Xbox version now, though. So going back, because this is the Nintendo 64 yeah. version. Right. The- so all the uh, quality of life stuff that the Xbox version uh, introduced it- would not be there, right? Exactly. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of frame rate dips that you wouldn't notice as a as a child, but like when you're when you're you know precision platforming in a three D platformer, you, it's very it can be quite frustrating. Mm. Yeah, I was like, oh, I remember this, which makes it difficult while you're flying and yeah, and the camera control, you know, with the old C buttons. You, oh yeah, <laughs> you're supposed you're not supposed to hold it. There's no um, tap 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 tap. Yeah, exactly. There's there's no. Uh, what's what's the term for like when you do it a little bit and you do it more like you yeah, tilt the... it's it's got a set movement that it goes across it goes here to here yeah go so... in between exactly so the camera like you have to press it and it shifts and it goes like it and it does it really jaggedly so it's just like oh where am I and it's a thing from that time yeah oh yeah early three D platformers for sure you can see it in Mario as well yeah Mario sixty four exactly. But I, I still have my record. I can still hold up my record in Mumbo's Mountain, the first level. I can 100% that level in 12 minutes. Pretty good. Pretty good. And then I looked yeah. it up on YouTube and I felt sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the record was like five minutes, which is very impressive. Scary. But that's all, that's all I've been playing, pretty much just those two. Um, We'll move on to the news. First up, though, uh, as always, we would like to highlight our Patreon. For just $1 per month, you can get this podcast two to three days early. It all goes towards supporting the website, paying our writers, and keeping everything running. And if we reach $100 per month, we'll make this podcast a weekly show. Yeah. Yeah. But, so this is the big news that we've been... We haven't really talked... I mean, this happened about a week ago. We haven't really said anything about it. But we'll talk about it now. Xbox acquires Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion. Yeah, this is, this is kind of huge. 
This is, sure is massive. People were saying this is like one of those things where um, the video game crashed in 1983, then Sega, um, Sega going out of the console business, Xbox acquiring Activision, Activision Blizzard. Yeah, this is like one of the biggest like things to happen in gaming history. Absolutely. I mean, they it, recently it's... purchased, what was it, uh, Zenimax Studios for like a tenth of that? Yeah, it was seven seven point one billion, I think. So yeah, yep. about a tenth. Which is I mean, i I personally prefer Zenimax and everything that comes under that umbrella, but I know I can see why. I mean Activision, they have Call of Duty, they have Warcraft. Um, also they, they have Candy Crush. Candy Crush with King, yeah, exactly. Which makes a lot of money still. Yeah, it does. And I mean, there was a... Company, uh, who bought Zynga? Take two? Uh, was, yeah, I think it was Facebook. That's it, yeah. No, no, no. It, it, oh, was, no sorry, it was, yeah, I think it was Take two. Take two, yeah, because they released a lot of games on Facebook, Zynga. Yes. Um, but, yeah, Take two. Yeah, so that was like 12 billion. And everyone was like, whoa, that's massive compared to Zenimax and Xbox. Phil Spencer, like, hold my beer. Yeah. And then like, drops this bombshell. Like, this is. Like this is possibly like one of the biggest like company acquisitions like ever. In like gaming not industry, not just yeah, not just in the gaming industry, but like I, I think the largest one I remember was the acquisition of AOL, which is like a hundred and something billion. Dang. But yeah, yeah, like this this is huge, not just for like gaming, but like business as a whole. Like, it, it, this, this is so big, it became, like, mainstream news. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you well, can see videos of Phil Spencer on, like, um, like those business stock shows. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is strange. Well, the top five of um, biggest company acquisitions, that is $130 billion, So You beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that one? Uh, that was... Uh, Dow Chemical and Dewpoint. Sure. Which was a merger. Sure. I have no idea who they are. Yeah. Verizon is on there in 2015. Verizon and Vodafone. Yep. Uh, Heinz and Kraft. So AOL Incorporated and Time Warner was $226 billion back in 2000. So that's 226 today. It was 1.647 billion. Yeah, okay. I mean, just Vodafone. Apple bought Beats by Dre for 3 billion. Like, uh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Disney brought, like. Star Wars. I was going to say Marvel for, I think it was 12 billion. That was when. So it's bigger than Marvel was tiny, though, back then. Yeah, but like the acquisition of uh, Star Wars, I believe, was only seven billion. Uh, Fox was seventy-one point three billion. Yeah, uh, Marvel. Marvel was only four billion. Oh, okay. I yeah. <laughs> it was and back when it was. Must very have read small. that wrong. Yeah. And Lucasfilm was also four billion. Ah. So those two together is just more than Zenimax. Yep. And then that's eight billion, and then we compare that to sixty-eight point seven billion. Yeah, like that goes that's to show how 
massive this is, despite all the, you know, disgusting stuff that Activision Blizzard has been known for in the past, like, couple of years that most likely would have brought that, you know, figure down. It did, yeah. yeah. I think it dropped by, like, like 60%. I like the line Phil Spencer said. We're going to reevaluate our position with Activision Blizzard. I sure did. By buying them. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> there, there were talks about like, oh, does that mean they, they're not going to really going to work with Activision Blizzard? Nope, they're just going to buy it like, right. Mm, kind of nope. the opposite. <laughs> now, buy it, fix it ourselves. Pretty Which much. Hopefully this works out better for the employees. Yeah, hopefully. Like, I'm we... hoping so. Yeah, like we've heard that Bobby Kotick is leaving because of this. Thing yeah, but it's going to take like a year for everything to go yeah, through. So true, true, but like it's still a step. Exactly. And all yeah. the Blizzard Activision games are going to be on the Xbox Game Pass. Dang. Yep. Could this mean like finally the possibility of World of Warcraft on consoles? I'd be Dang. down with that. Like, when I played, I used a third-party um, uh, application that actually let me use a controller to play it. So, like, it's possible. It is 100% possible to fit this on a console. You might get it on the Series X. I mean, it's not that graphically intensive, is it? Nah, not really. It's... Like, they... It, they it sucks they... a lot of power. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's running on code from 2004. Oh, God. So, so yeah, it is very unoptimized. But, like, graphically, uh, they did have, like, kind of a graphics overhaul in... Oh, when did Warlords of Trainor come out? Like, 2014? Yeah. I right. believe. It's but, like... Eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's still eight years ago, so... And if anyone's gonna... If anyone's going to be able to to unravel that old code, it'd be Microsoft and their yeah. engineers. Thirteenth November, twenty fourteen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good. That was good memory. I just looked it up. No, I was saying Jake, but <laughs> yeah, oh, that I I remember uh, Warcraft cycles. Like each expansion comes out every two years, <laughs> and I remember the previous one came out in twenty twelve. Yeah. Okay. But. Xbox Microsoft now owns Crash and Spyro. That is <laughs> that is so weird to me as, you know, the PlayStation kid here. Yeah. Yeah. What what watching Spyro and Crash constantly jump around between multiple different companies then out of nowhere get picked up by uh Sierra which gets acquired by Activision which then gets acquired by Xbox. That is so weird. But hey, this possibly could mean that all the uh, all the teams that did work on the um, uh, the remakes that like did a fantastic job of them will finally get out of the Call of Duty mines. Yeah, toys for or, Bob or um, the Blizzard mines. Mm, yeah, to- yeah, both toys for Bob and Beanox got sent to the Call of Duty mines, which and uh, hurts my soul. Got merged mm. into Blizzard. Mm. Yeah, is- there were. There's been a there's been a big thing with uh, a lot of teams with Call of Duty in that they don't they're trying the employees are actually trying to push against that annual release schedule of Call of Duty games which yeah now you've got people are saying now you've got Call of Duty Warzone it's that free to play 
online Call of Duty, it's it's almost redundant to have a new Call of Duty game every every year as well. Yeah, it, it really it really feels redundant. Mm. Yeah. And I mean I was never the big biggest Call of Duty guy to begin with, but I can only imagine like well, I mean I'm tired of Pokemon that and that yearly release schedule and assassin's creed suffered the same thing and then that took a step back a little bit and sometimes a a series needs that yeah man yeah that that was a really interesting time in gaming history when assassin's creed came out and it's like wow this is a real breath of fresh air yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i think i said like a decade ago it's like hey remember when that happened and now there's like 20 bloody uh assassin's creed games and now there's like 40 of them now yeah uh, yeah a, a lot these companies they i mean they see it where they follow where the money is basically in call of duty's number one year in year out on those mpd charts so from a business standpoint it makes sense you know to them if they're just seeing the numbers but yeah my god that series has become stale yeah. it really has and they're putting people on there who shouldn't be on there yeah Exactly. Phil Spencer, I mean, one of the biggest quotes that, that's come out of this is that he wants to revive old franchises and IPs. Yeah, uh, wasn't one of them straight up Guitar Hero? Yeah, Guitar Hero. I'd love to see Guitar Hero come back. That's not Guitar Hero Live. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and, and this is the big thing as well. Would that come to other? Would that come to other consoles or would that be xbox exclusive and we had that discussion with about zenimax and whatnot and starfield that's coming out exclusively on microsoft like on xbox and game pass so that begs the question because we haven't seen the you know your elder scrolls and your fallout we haven't seen those big entries yet and it's going to feel weird when that's not on playstation anymore but i think yeah i believe they said like they're still going to honor elder scrolls games to Mm. still be on playstation and other consoles. I think they also said the same for uh, Call of Duty. I think what's going to happen is they'll be released on Game Pass, which will push people to Game Pass because yeah. they don't have to pay for the games. Yeah, and they get the library of other games along with it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And that's their long game is to get people into Game Pass. Yeah, that that Game Pass is sounding sweeter like every day. I like overnight because of this. I went from, why would I ever get an Xbox when they're putting everything on PC to like, man, I, I, sh- I should probably get an Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> and you can use the Game Pass on the PC as well. Yeah, true. But, you know, my PC is already clogged up with Steam oh, yeah. and all these other things. I, I think it would be best to actually get a console to play that on. It'd be easier than your PlayStation 5. <laughs> yeah, it'd be easier to get. I've seen places with them actually in stock. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I one thing that is interesting though when it comes to uh game pass is how we're going to start looking at um how we're going to start looking at the the measure of success and how we measure success cuz for the yeah. longest time it's all been, you know, sales numbers. But it, it's not sales numbers anymore. That's the thing, because it's all about, uh, for Microsoft now, it's all about subscriptions. So if you look at the top 20 MPDs for the year, Halo Infinite's not on there. And Forza Horizon 5 is number 20. 
but those are like the two biggest games because every so many people played that on Game Pass. Yeah. So I think how do you... you're gonna have to if depending if they release it or not, download numbers. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's the biggest thing because they've been pretty secretive with that. I love this. It breaks, and then it breaks down the the article I'm looking at. That it breaks down like your Nintendo, PlayStation, and Xbox, and it says the publisher next to, next to it, and Nintendo's all 19 Nintendo, and Capcom USA with Monster Hunter Rise. Yep. <laughs> and PlayStation number one, Call of Duty Vanguard, Activision Blizzard. Number three, Black Ops Cold War, Activision Blizzard. So there, and number 16, Activision Blizzard, Modern Warfare. So there you're three in the top 20 best-selling PlayStation games, two of them being first and third, that, like you said, they may still honor that, but further down the track, people are going to go to Game Pass for this. Oh, 100%. Mm. So even if Call of Duty still comes to PlayStation, people are going to start seeing Game Pass as a much more viable option. And oh, Forbes, why do you have to have it? I need the ad blocker disabled to go on here. Yeah. <laughs> and then this this comes to think how is I mean, it's gonna if it affects Sony so much more than it affects Nintendo. Oh it sure does. Oh yeah, definitely. I think and their you... stocks numbers dropped. Oh yeah, like massively, after like immediately after the announcement. It'd be funny if that's that was Microsoft's plan. Buy buy uh, Activision Blizzard when their stock when their price is low, and then Sony's price drops, and then they buy Sony. Uh problem is Sony has the other departments. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So I don't think they would ever be able to get a hold of Sony because you no. know they've got their TVs, their electronics, and everything else that they divulge into. Oh yeah, god yeah. And Nintendo, I don't think would ever sell. Yeah, ever. I don't think that'll ever happen. I also think there's laws in japan about oh, yeah. foreign ownership uh, that would pretty yeah. sure there is so that's yeah and that's another huge part of it in that they tr- they tried and, that, and that's a and that hilarious story back like 20 odd years ago when microsoft tried to buy nintendo yeah and they all laughed at them nintendo was a weird company back like i mean they still are a weird company but they were very because they're they're an old japanese company they've been around oh, forever yes. Yeah. So they're very traditional in a lot of ways. It was 140 years at this point? Uh, 1887? Very, uh, 89, very close. 89. I did a whole article about it. It was, it was a fun article to write. Um, but yeah, it was 89, so what's, what does that make it? 133, this is 133rd year. Yeah. That's a long time. Oh yeah, back when they made Hanafuda cards. I really want a pack of Hanafu- Nintendo Hanafuda cards. I reckon that'd be. Sell them on the uh, My Nintendo thing. Yeah, but like one of the classic ones. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like maybe not from, you know, the 19th century. That stuff's in a museum. But maybe like in the, in the early to mid 20th century. Then you got the and Love Tester. The Love Tester, yeah. And they were doing Disney uh, playing cards for a while in the 50s and 60s. Nintendo's history is so interesting. I it love is. It. From a toy factory to video games. Yeah. And various other things. Taxis, uh, rice, inst- instant, yeah, instant rice cookers. That was a funny one. 
But anyways, back to Activision. Like, yeah, it's not going to affect Nintendo as much, but it still will have an impact for sure. Like you oh, see, yeah. and especially with your Crash Spyro and that resurgence happening, and then it doesn't, like, does it stop there? Or will Microsoft, I, I mean, I, I suppose Microsoft would see the value in putting those games onto. I mean, we might actually get a Call of Duty game on a Nintendo system. <laughs> Maybe this is only going to benefit. Yeah, wasn't the last Call of Duty game on a uh, Nintendo system on the Wii U? Yep. Yeah, Black Ops 2. Yeah, that's what it was. I remember seeing that at EB Games for $4. <laughs> remember there was a Call of Duty on the DS? Yeah. I'll get to that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please stream that. That'll be amazing. I, I have a list of uh, DS games that I plan on streaming, and yes, that is one of the games on there. Amazing. It is not good. <laughs> but I, re- I remember seeing Black Ops 2 for Wii U for $4, and my first thought when I looked at it, it's like, that's too much. I'm not spending $4 on, on it probably that. probably doesn't even have any players. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure the servers are down. Yeah. And the servers would not have lasted long anyways. But Im- imagine releasing... A game for the Wii U and not the Switch. Division. Yeah. They're smart. Is smart the right word? That's the sarcastic smart. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's obviously been the biggest news. This will be the biggest news of, I mean, of the year, but definitely of like the decade. Oh, Yeah. yeah. It's one of the it's one of those milestones in video game history that things are going to change, depending how it goes. Maybe even the century. I mean, it's a big call it being in twenty twenty two, but you're not wrong. Like this is this is one of those big big things you know in history. Oh, it, it's like industry shaking. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't happen that often. Oh God, no. I remember because Jake, you put it in the Discord. Yeah, it's like the, the middle of the night. It was, I think, it was like one a.m. Yeah, when the news broke out over here. It's like, uh, yeah, the the sources that I usually go for, like uh, on my uh, Twitter, like one guy's like, uh, I believe he goes novel. No, it was what's his name? What's his name? I know a lot of people actually follow him. Uh, I'm scrolling up on the Discord. This may take a bit. Especially with my broken scroll wheel on my mouth. <laughs> what is I, his name? I honestly thought you were joke. I I thought it was a it was a joke post. Yeah, yeah, sure. Was but it? like, but yeah, like he, uh, yeah, he posted on his Twitter. Uh, Nibble, that's what it was. Nibelian. Yeah, um, yeah, he just said, "I'm hearing things about Xbox buying Activision Blizzard." That's most. It's probably going to be wrong. Then five minutes later. It's not wrong. It's real. Here, <laughs> it's like here's the evidence. Oh my god! Code red. Code red. Code red. This is not a drill. <laughs> and it was, yeah, made splashes. Yeah, it did. Tidal waves. But I mean, that's that's pretty much all I've got to say about it. Hopefully, we'll still see stuff on Switch as Microsoft's been doing. But yeah, for that amount of money you'd want to be taking a lot of that for yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we'll just see how that all plays out. One, one thing I did find interesting about, like, all this news coming out is, like, uh, you also got to see some other companies that also tried to get Activision Blizzard. 
There, there's an alternate universe where EA brought Activision Blizzard, and oh, that, that scares that's me. The darkest timeline. That scares <laughs> me. <laughs> that is darkest timeline stuff. The microtransactions in Call of Duty. I mean, there's already you know enough of that kind of stuff in Blizzard games. Exactly. Yeah. Oh Jesus. It'll go to Overwatch. You have to unlock the heroes in loot crates. <laughs> no, thank you. But it's, it's a feeling of you know, what was the what was it they said with Star Wars? Feeling of uh, pride, or what was it? As you you know, work your way to unlock the characters. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember them trying to. Like, yeah, I don't want to, you know, spend 400 hours trying to unlock Darth Vader, thank you. No. Or play against people who just spent money. Yeah. You know, and then you get beaten every time. Because, yeah, you don't want to play 400 hours if it's getting your, your ass handed to you. Nope. And that's not fun either. Any other tidbits anyone want to say about this one? I'm probably going to say that's it. I reckon there'll be, this will be something we're going to talk about throughout the year. There'll be tidbits of news. Yeah, yeah. especially once the acquisition goes through next year. Exactly, and we're a Nintendo podcast. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We'll still be talking about this. Like, I think, out of like speaking as someone like you know who grew up with PlayStation and you know the Crash and Spyro stuff, I think people like me who love Crash and Spyro came out on top with this. I, I hope that because... also translate transfers over to Tony Hawk's. Yeah, yeah. But, like, Xbox seemed to really like making, you know, like, mascot platformers as oh, well. Yeah. Like, they, they know that there is a, you know, a market for that. And the With only people... Yeah, and the only people that, like, <laughs> make those games is Nintendo. So, yeah. you know, they, they've been trying with things like uh, Lucky's Tale. Is that the name of that game? Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lucky's Tale. That's it, yeah. Like they have like stuff like that, and I think they have like a couple other games in the works. They also have, you know, Ori in the Blind Forest, which is a platformer, but it's more of a Metroidvania. But you know, mm. and, and genres. Don't forget, we have Ko the Kangaroo. Yeah, that coming out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all mascots to revive, Ko the Kangaroo. I had rock. I had no idea who that who that was, and apparently he's very big in Poland. Yeah, the like obscure uh mascot platformers always have like one weird European country that loved it. Yeah. And I repeat, where's Croc? Where is Croc? That's a good point. And Gex? Yeah. I th- I think I heard something recently that someone is trying to revive Gex. That does sound familiar. They can keep Bubsy. <laughs> No that's that's, that's something that didn't made. yeah exactly that's something that didn't need to be revived and made a sequel out of why are there two extra bobsy games so funny i'll i'll because i remember playing bobsy as a as a kid and i'll never it's embedded into my brain that's that sound where you have to where you go down the pipes oh god Oh, that game's horrible. So apparently, um, Square Enix filed a European trademark for get uh, trademark for Gex. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Go. Square Enix owns Gex. 
Ah, uh, I have no. I can't keep track anymore. Who owns what? Yeah, it's just, I know who owns what Nintendo owns or owns a part of. Pretty much, Nintendo doesn't own that many companies. When you think about it, but they also own the uh, well, they part own the uh, biggest franchise in the world. Sure. Yeah. With Pokemon being that franchise. Well, yeah, they own like one third share. Yeah. Of but Pokemon. still, that's that's massive. Oh yeah, it is. There's that. There's they. I mean, who does Nintendo have? They have Monolith, Retro Studios, uh, Camelot. I think no, Camelot yeah. are owned by Nintendo. I don't think. Uh, next level games. Second that, party developers. That was recent. Game Freak, that. technically. Yeah, uh, not really. Because it's its own thing, and they go yeah. and they release games outside of it. Uh, How Laboratory, How yep. Systems, yeah. So yeah, Intelligent Grizzo. Oh yeah, Grizzo. Alpha Dream. Well, they went bankrupt. So. Good Fuel. Uh, they own Good Fuel. I didn't know that. It's it's on their second party developers. They might okay. not own it, but they they would definitely have a major stake. Yeah, sure. And that's former Konami devs. <laughs> well, Grezzo has former Square Enix devs. Yeah, so Goodfield's only released stuff on the Nintendo title, so functionally. Okay. Monolith looking... is former Square um, devs. Yeah, yeah, Monolith is Square, Square specifically. Yeah. I mean, Monolith is probably... Monolith and Retro Studios, I would say, are their two biggest acquisitions. Yeah. Mm. But Nintendo aren't really in the business for acquisitions. No. They don't really do that. They're in it for fun. Yeah, but I wonder if that's going to come back and bite them with Microsoft seeming to be creating a monopoly. There's enough indie titles that they'll be fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they let that one indie indie developer do Cadence of Hyrule. Yeah. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to just get indie developers to make things. You also got an Untitled Goose game before that. Is that on other consoles yet, or is that still only Nintendo? No, that's on other consoles. It first came out on the Switch only, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. A lot of of indie games are Switch and PC. Yeah. That's, That's very, very common. For indie titles, at least. Which we'll be talking about a few of those soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, before that, um, so reviews have dropped for Pokemon Legends Arceus with a Metacritic score of 86, which is pretty good. It, I mean, uh, It's pretty good, but it still feels a little low considering it's a Pokemon game. Yeah. Well, looking looking back, like especially at recent Pokemon games, the biggest one was eighty seven. That was Sun and Moon five years ago. Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl got seventy three. Yeah. And I think I think Pokemon's been averaging around the low eighties for quite some time. I, I've yeah. heard a lot of people say it's probably one of the best Pokemon games since Gen five. Yeah, and. and I mean, it's such a it's such a departure from 
I own I only literally bought it this morning because it's we're recording this on a Friday. So I got yeah. it this morning. I haven't even chose my starter Pokemon yet. Yeah, same. I'm streaming it tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean there's it it is such a departure and obviously the yes, you can complain about the graphics and that's something they of course need to work on in future releases, but it is a step in the right direction and they are trying to make different things, but I I feel as though it's definitely gonna it, it the series is gonna experience some growing pains with this. Oh yeah. Going so far as I mean, do you think it will do you think this will just be a one and off one and done spin off? I think this is like dipping a toe in the water. They wanna see like if this is actually what people want. Yeah. Because, you know, people have been making fan-made, like, open-world Pokemon MMO things for ages. Oh, yeah. So it's like, is this what you want? What if we make it? Does it do well? Maybe we'll make more. I just don't understand why release it in January. Yeah, that is Probably a little to weird. to keep it close to um, Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl while that Gen 4 is on your mind. That's a good point. And there's an anime tie-in with Arceus. Is there? Where they go back in time. Is there? Yep. So like, it, it's part of the anime. Like it came. There's two episodes out for it, so it's part of you know the uh, Journeys anime. I think it's now Journeys Arceus. Huh. Yeah. And yeah, they've gone back in time with Dawn, and Dawn is back. Ah, uh, Dawn's back. Yep. Sure. But I, I mean, on the next episode, I'll probably talk about it. A lot yep. more, but I imagine at that point it's probably going to be old, old news. Yeah, also a lot of it got leaked. That's true. Yeah, like a week. week yeah, like a week to a week and a half early. Yep. Why we can't have nice things? It looks good. I might get it eventually, but I'm not going to get it anytime soon because I can't leave the house. You can buy it digitally. I want the physical so Jason can play it as well. Ah, fair. Yeah, I got. I pre-ordered it from JB's and I got the Steelbook edition. Fair. Yeah. Like, I I don't regret that decision because it was actually only $69. Like, it was like, you know, that was the cheaper version and it came with the Steelbook, so I'm like, eh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was a pretty <laughs> good find. But yeah, so, I mean, at least knowing that it got 86 is good. Like, if we, it could have gotten reviews and it could have, like, been 60 and we know it's... We know it's crap. Mm. Yeah. So knowing it's got it's got an eighty six, it must be doing something right. It'll be interesting to see what the user reviews turn up like. Yeah, we still haven't got that yet. Oh, uh, you know they're gonna bomb it though. Uh, not always. Well, I've seen a lot of people seem to like it. That that we're talking about Pokemon fans here. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna complain because the trees don't look right. But they'll still give it like nine and tens. It remains to be seen. We'll we'll maybe we'll maybe next episode. Next episode. I was going to say next next episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at it and see what that user score is in comparison. If we remember, that's a yeah, that's a very good point. But moving on, we'll head over to the indie roundup. So this is the part of the podcast where we talk about some upcoming indie titles, whether they're they're very popular and they're. Um, really hyped up for release or whether they're games that we've looked through the eShop and we just thought they deserve a bit more attention. So first up on the 3rd of February, we have the 
the Hundred Year Kingdom. And this one, if I can read out the little blurb. Welcome to an untouched new world. Only you, the creator, and a mythical young goddess who calls herself an oracle exist here. Share times of laughter, tears, and joy as you combine your skills and powers to guide the emergence of a brand new civilization. So this one's kind of RPG, but also a farming simulator. But it takes resource management. Yeah, yeah, resource, yeah, resource management as well. Definitely, it's. I just thought it was interesting because of like the, the um, square based system, the grid based system. Like you can build your own towns and settlements. The waifu thing is going to be a huge selling point to a lot of people. Uh, three elf girls, a cat girl, and yeah, yeah, they take up fifty percent of the screen at all sure times. Because <laughs> of course you do, and the the names are very on the nose as well. Amaterasu, yeah. Gaia, Freya, Freya, yeah. It's very, uh, very on the nose. But yeah, I honestly just thought it looked really cool. It's got that... Um, it looks cute. Yeah, and it's only 13 US dollars. Neat. Yeah. Uh, next one, you've got a big release on the 8th of February, Oli Oli World. So this one's been shown in the Indie World, uh, most previous, I think, Indie World Showcase. Or maybe there was one oh, before. Twice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's re- really been hyped up by Nintendo. Um, I was you know, hit and miss on Oli Oli, but it's Oli Oli World is definitely a a different take on this for sure. It looks like it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's and um, chill. Very yeah. Uh, uh, then again, Oli Oli was very difficult. <laughs> it was a very difficult game. Uh, it, was, it came to Switch Oli Oli Switch Dance, so I uh, had the first and the second game. And a fantastic name for that, by the way. I know, right? (laughs) That is a really good game name. But it's... Yeah, so it it is very, very difficult. But if you do like 2D skating games or 2D... I mean, even just 2D platformers. um, Yeah, the Oli Oli World's got a lot of buzz around it. It is $30 US, so it's more on the expensive side of uh, indies. But doesn't mean... It doesn't mean it's not worth that, absolutely. It just depends, I suppose, on how reviews go for it. Next one is Letters, A Written Adventure. So Letters is a cozy, often funny, sometimes sad game about friendship, courage, and the power of words. You journey back to the 90s and 2000s to follow the story of Sarah, moving through her beautifully hand-drawn letters and nostalgic pixel words. Help her navigate all the ups and downs of growing up and decide what kind of person she'll become. Use words to solve riddles and explore Sarah's colourful world full of wacky characters, relatable stories, and bad puns. I so, don't like seeing this mysite.com making me think of MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> this one, I... Because this one, I watched the trailer and the that blurb doesn't really... Accentu- it doesn't really highlight the main thing about this game what you basically do is some of the in the letters and you know all the written all the written words some of the words are highlighted so on the lines they're actually platforms and you you are the little little girl character actually controlling it and you can grab the words oh that makes way more sense okay yeah and then you can uh then you can affect it so for example there was a waterfall 
in one, and then the word ice was highlighted. So you grab the ice, the word ice, and then throw it at the waterfall, and then it creates ice so you can then walk on it. Ah, okay. So it's kind of like, oh, what's that game? Scribblenauts. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can definitely compare it to Scribblenauts. With that whole, you know, you use words to solve puzzles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there is a demo available now. There you go. And that one is 15 US dollars. Not too bad. Yeah, I thought that one's really cute. Next one's Ocean Heart. So Ocean's Heart is an epic top-down action RPG in which you explore a beautiful acapello as a young woman named Tilia. All done in beautiful, bright pixel art. So Ocean's Heart is an action RPG featuring detailed pixel art. They really like to highlight the pixel art stuff with, mm. with, a, with a focus on exploration in a lively world teeming with secrets uh, and mysteries. Tilia sets out in search of her missing father. Follow the trail through the ruins of a flooded kingdom, shape the future of the current world, or keep your head down and focus on your own mission in this epic retro-inspired adventure. So I'm looking at this screen where she's looking at the camera. And all I'm seeing is Breath of the Wild Link. Uh, I was just about to say, this entire game is very Legend of Zelda inspired to the point where the character straight up looks like she comes from Breath of the Wild. It's only really from the front. For the longer hair, you can kind of tell a difference, but the blue tunic and at the front refer to the way her hair is. looks like uh, Link to the Past, but Breath of the Wild style. I can see that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Especially with the, uh, the yellow trims as well with it. Yeah. Like, that is kind of blatant it looks good though yeah it's like it's it worked for link well this one's interesting because uh steve hopes to review this one he is our he's our metro metrovania guy but he's also our legend of zelda guy as well but that's his that's his two niches that he covers so if anyone's gonna know if this is a good or bad zelda inspired game it's gonna be steve yeah so hold out for the review on that one on switchaboo.com because, yeah, I imagine Steve will give a very detailed review of this one. But it has potential. But, yeah, it could easily go, it could easily go one of two ways, I think, this one. But only time will tell. That one is February 10th for $14.99, so $15 US. Not too bad. Next one, Eglia Rebirth. So, new legend begins, the story of hellos and goodbyes bursting from a magical egg. Once upon a time, there was a magical kingdom known as Eglia. Within its borders, all, manner, all manners of species lived peacefully and in harmony with one another. But these days were not to last. The kingdom was sieged by gigantic British ogres who laid waste to all they touched. So, this one is very much... I mean, they have the same art director... As the Secret of Mana games, uh, that's what it was. I was yeah. looking at this. It's like it reminds me of something. <laughs> it's I'm really s- hard to tell what it is, what the game is like through the screenshots. Mm. I can see that. I think it is very much Secret of Mana based, but I can see like the the hexagon grid. Yeah, and I suppose that's where it gets like. Is that the combat? It says, win simple intuitive dice roll battles to find more eggs and make Egalia thrive. Ah. Okay. So it seems battle is dice rolled based? Yeah. With eggs. Oh, you find eggs. Yeah, I think that's how you get more characters. 
You know what this kind of reminds me of as well? Um, I never played it, but I really wanted to play Ever Oasis. Yeah, Did anyone that, play that? I never played it as well. Yeah, same. That was one of those games I wanted to touch, but I was poor at the like, time. Um, <laughs> what was it? Uh, that life game. Wait, which one? The other DS game that looked very similar to that. Um, something Life. Fantasy, Fantasy Life? Fantasy Life, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. Like, I can yeah. see that as well. The art style of Everice is very much looked like Fantasy Life. Which in turn looks like Eglia. Yeah. But, I mean, this one, it has potential. The first Eglia is, I don't think it's on Switch, but it's on mobile. And I looked it up and it's got decent reviews. So like four, four out of five stars, eight out of ten was the first game. So it has potential. But we'll see about that one. That one's February 10th as well. So for 20 US dollars. This one I'm pretty excited about. Rise of the Third Power. So they can't save the world, but they can change history. Rise of the Third Power is a retro-themed console-style role-playing game, loosely based on the political climate of Europe in the late 1930s. The story takes place in the land of Rin, during the height of the Age of Sail, following events that would lead to the greatest war in human history. So, very much your classic, uh, like, Final Fantasy, almost kind of Chrono Trigger. Yes. Ish as well. Yeah, it, it's got that very, you know, SNES-inspired uh, RPG. Yeah, but like with the, like the Mode 7. Yes. Yeah, 3D. yeah aesthetics but i'm very curious about the late 1930s europe Ooh. oh yeah that, it's a very interesting period of history as someone who did history <laughs> did you do well, you did modern history uh in one year in so it was one semester you had to do ancient history and modern history in uh, uni and i did one semester oh. of the more modern stuff as well but oh, yeah okay. that, it's a it's a very, and I did that one in year 12 as well, modern history. And it was just, yeah, it's a very intriguing period of history that you can get a lot of stories out from, especially with that political climate of, you know, that post war about to head into the first, like into the second war kind of period. Yeah. And I wonder how they would do that in, in like a fantasy inspired RPG, especially in the sailing, like, you know, period of time. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of everything for sure. But it it looks it looks like it has promise this one. I mean this this will be one for you guys I reckon for your RPG. Mm. RPG fans. I will and, be um, keeping my eye on this. And you know the characters unlock skills by points. As you can see in the um like one of the screenshots. Yeah, so they have like skill oh, trees yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Fun. That yeah, that does look really cool. And how many characters they got there? For uh, I think it's set at eight. Yeah, it's because if you look at the, there's one character turned around, and you'd imply they're, you know, the last party to that per, uh, person to join the party. Oh yeah, I see that. They're the evil character that joins the party because there's always one. Yeah, there is always one. <laughs> He'll be the bad guy all the way up until like the third chapter of like the the, you know what I mean? Like seventy five percent through the game. Yeah. And then he'll be, he was just misunderstood. And then you have this other character who's so much worse. And then you'll learn more about him and he's actually goofy. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, all the character designs look really neat as well. And you can tell what they are at just a glance. 
Yeah, they do each have their own. You got your dark mage, you got your rogue, you got a cannon girl, sure. priest. Yeah, yeah, the healer, priest, the thief, old guy. <laughs> I love that old guy is always, you know, <laughs> a character class in RPGs. There's always <laughs> an old guy. Yeah. And they uh, always tend to be, you know, the tanky guy. Yep. Yeah. But this is so. This is published by Dangan Entertainment, who did Bug Fables. They published Bug Fables and developed by a team called Stegosoft. Does it have a Stegosaurus? Yes, they do. Ah, oh, that's awesome. And they um, what else was it? They did. Uh, they've done another RPG game that looks very much like uh, RFL Enhanced Edition. So it very much looks very similar. So if you want to see what this is like before it comes out, have a look at RFL. How do you spell that? A-R-A space F-E-L-L. Okay. But yeah, like, you if you look at the uh, the logo, it's a little dinosaur. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and Jake, same publisher as Smelter as well. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Great. Dangan Entertainment, definitely. That's, that's one of you. There are some indie publishers that you really should look out for. There's Devolver. Um, there's Annapurna. And like Team Seventeen, obviously, but then you've also got Dangan Entertainment. They're a big one too. And that guy at the back looks like Edward Elric. <laughs> it does. The blonde hair, the cape, the black, like you know, shirt. It's probably just him. Maybe it is. Yeah. Just the prize anime crossover. <laughs> you just have to play it to find out, or watch streams. Yeah. The last one you've got Kung Fu Kickball. So Kung Fu Kickball is the fighting sports game where the best ball kicker wins. Compete against your friends in a fantasy sport that mixes soccer with Kung Fu action moves. Uh, Kung Fu action movies, sorry. Fly through the air and unleash a flurry of punches, kicks, and mystical arts to overpower the other team and smash the ball into their bell. Every bell ring, every bell ring counts as a point and the team with the most points when the time runs out is crowned the winner. So I played this game... Back at PAX Australia 2019, which feels like a lifetime ago now, but it is a it's a lot of fun. The I I hope they fix the controls a little bit because like it was very much you jump and then you're like on half the side of the screen already. Um, but other than that, it is it does look it's it's a very fun game, especially if you can get multiple people around around the TV. It does look like one of those kind of games where mm. the more people you have, the more fun it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to look around here. So six unique stages, six different characters. Um, so they all have like your different stats. The monk being a well-rounded. Assassin's super quick but doesn't hit as hard. So you've got a bit of strategy there. Um, the 1v1. Old man. The old man. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, online multiplayer which is good to have for a game like this. Doesn't look like there's a story mode, though. I would have liked this. And a panda, yeah, yeah. I would have liked a, a story mode, I think, in this it's, one. It's good for these kinds of games to have a story mode or you know, an yeah. arcade mode where there's story tied into it. Yeah, something tangible to see progress. Single player. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like, like if you're going to have, you know... 
like a character select screen and play all these unique characters and all that, you'd you'd think there'd be a story mode. Mm. At least some backstory for them. But it's not, like the game itself, I think just on 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 its on its basis is is a lot of fun. It kind of just reminds me of like a two D Rocket League with Kung Fu. I was thinking like a more you know arena fighter of um, Lethal League Blaze. Yeah, I yeah. could say that. Yeah. yeah. And that's another February 10th game, so a lot happening on that day for... Five 20... different games. Yeah, I know, right? It's a big, big day. But that's $20, uh, but 20% off pre-order bonus. Neat. So yeah. get on it now if you're interested. And that's it for the Indie Roundup. We actually don't have a Patreon question this time either, so we're just going to go on to our favorite part of the podcast, Name That Game... Yay! And Nathan, did you? Yes, I do have one. Yes, I can play! (laughs) Yay! I've actually, like, I, for context, I suppose, to our listeners, yeah, I asked Nathan to do one, because, like, I kind of just, I want to play. I want to play. Yeah, you haven't really played since we did our um, Name That Game crossover like the episode that was just named that game yeah that was fun we should do that again and then um the ones that i had planned for you you weren't on those episodes ah that sounds like something i'd do yeah i because i have a i basically have a document of all the ones i've done in the past i remember you did uh hypercharged yeah a couple of episodes ago that was funny conveniently brought up in the podcast. <laughs> I hate when that happens, because that's happened a couple of times. I'm One of like, them that uh, I was going to do for you was a ukulele. Oh, yeah, I would have gotten that very quickly. Because I, I made it very vague, because I knew you would be on there. <laughs> did Jake get that? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure he did, because I said, you know, Grant Kirkhope. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would have got it straight away from that. Yeah, that was the last clue, because I was like, yeah, that would give it away. I'm really, have you made, like, no, I, I won't ask. I was going to ask if you've made this one hard or not, but I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. Like, I'm just really curious about how I'm going to go. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. It might be good for Jake this time. Okay, we'll see about that. So, um, released on the Switch, 3rd of September, 2019. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Um, do you want me to Oh yes, uh, yes. say the rules, or do you want to go with the rules? You, you can go with the rules. You've got this uh, nailed down. Down packed. Um, so this time Nathan has a game. Um, he will give us ten hints, and there's and we get five guesses: two between hints one and five, two between hints six and nine, and one after the final hint. We have two lifelines: a yes or no question and a switchaboo lifeline. Which I and, forgot to get. Ha, I've done that as well. Don't don't <laughs> worry. Many times. Um, we have to ask the yes or no question first, but either of these can also be traded for an extra guess. And that's it. Far away. So, I'll repeat it again. Released 3rd of September 2019 on the Switch. It scored a 74 on Metacritic with a user score of 8.4. It is a 3D platformer. Yeah. It released on other platforms November 13th, 2018. And it won the Family Kids Game of the Year at the Australian Video Game Awards. Which I learned is a thing. Hmm. Australian Video Game Awards. Yep. So does that imply that it's 
made by an Australian developer. No. Okay, so it was just given. It's just, you know, it was given through the Australian Video Game Rewards. That's not my yes or no question, by the way. I know. know. (laughs) (laughs) Although maybe it was, I don't know. I'm... The first one that jumps out to me is New Super Lucky's Tale. Is that your guess? No, I'm, I'm, I think I'm bouncing with Jake. Uh, um, well, I, I can't think of anything. You know, I'm bad at this. So... I mean, I do, but... <laughs> Give me something. So, um, w- yeah, when it comes to these things, it's like my brain is always just blank until, like, the one thing that just makes it click. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll get it in the second half. So it's not some new Super Lucky's Tale. <laughs> no, I'm saying he'll get it in the second half if we go to it. Ah. All so right it might then. still be Super Lucky's Tale. So, can you read the hint out, sorry, about the releasing on other consoles? So it released. It was released on other platforms November yeah. 13th, 2018. So other platforms. Almost a year afterwards, it was released on the Switch. Okay. So it doesn't so specify... Copy came out in September 2019. Other platforms were November 2018. Gotcha. So other platforms. Uh, so it doesn't specify what which platforms because I'm pretty sure New Super Lucky's Tale. I don't even know if that actually did come to PlayStation. Yeah, I think it was just Xbox for like the longest while. Yeah, and then it came to Switch eventually. Um, I'm not sure if Super Lucky's Tale came to Switch as well. Because you that throw it out. Because that yeah, because that was a that was the first game and it re- reviewed quite poorly. Are you happy to go with New Super Lucky's Tale? Yeah, sure. It's not like I've got any uh, ideas of my own. Oh, Nathan, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> it was, no. Oh, it wasn't. No. All right. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's made by an Australian developer. I'm pretty sure it doesn't from the looks of it. I'm just trying to think maybe what some Australian developers have made 3D platformers. I mean, I'm just trying to think of 3D platformers now. Mm. Which I should know. You should. 2019. Like, yeah, 3D platformers is your thing, isn't it? It is. Usually. And I likely would have reviewed it, I'm thinking as well. 3D platformer coming around that time, I would have tried to. Um... I'm wondering whether to use the yes or no question and ask if it's an indie title. Do you think that would help, Jake? Uh, that would help, yeah. Yep. Nathan, is it an indie title? It is not. Not an indie title, okay. Hmm. That's interesting. So this could be... I mean, this could be Nintendo. This could be a first-party game. So it released on other consoles first and then oh, the Switch afterwards. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely not Nintendo. Okay, so we can rule that out. So that's good. Is it the Crash Insane trilogy? Oh, that's not. good. Oh, that was good, though. That was very good. Is it the Spyro Reignited trilogy? Wait well, for the other hint. I had three guesses. 
No, no, no. <laughs> Best-selling video game in Australia the week of its launch in 2018. Ooh. The game is a collection and remake of three previously released titles. Yeah, ah. yeah, it's it's Spyro. I think yeah, so. It's Spyro. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, uh, this one was easier for Jake. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. See. Uh, so the other hints are the first time these titles is the first time these titles have been released on Nintendo system. However, other titles from the franchise have been found their way onto the Nintendo systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Game Boy games. The GameCube <laughs> Enter the Dragon. Oh, right. The <laughs> Dragon May Cry, as I call that series. No, it was Dragon Enter the Dragonfly. Well, yeah, and also well, the... Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, development was more of a collaborative effort with the original devs to get the character right. Yep. Yeah. And the that music has a classic option with the original soundtrack or the more modern reimagining of them. Classic, classic music stays on 100%. <laughs> <laughs> But, so I had this written up before you said do it. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's like you just kind of pulled it from the... Oh, no. I, I written it up because I was like, oh, I'll quickly do it. And then, like, so I had one in reserve. That's fair. I always like to have And then that you're well. like, oh, hey, do you want to do it? I'm like, I just finished this. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? I like that. But, but yeah, I, I can see why you gave, you would want to give me that one. Is uh <laughs> for context, Alex. Spyro is my banjo. Oh, I know. Yeah, I edit the podcast when I'm not on. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I thought that was a a, a neat little one to give Jake. This that time, was a good one. Some interesting facts. Yeah, that that was a good one, especially because the 3D platformer kind of threw me off a little bit as well. Sure mm. did. Because I'm like, I should know this. And... I thought I'd put that in there to you know. Make you think, oh, 3D platformer, 3D platformer. Yeah. No, that was that was a good one. What would you have done for your lifeline? If I, I would have if we come had... up something on the spot. Also, Man. you didn't review it, but you did a uh, thing saying it's coming to the Switch. Did I? Yep. Back in June 2019, you're like, Spyro Reignited Trilogy is coming to Nintendo Switch, September uh, 3rd, 2019. That's right, because that was announced at E3. And it's one that you wouldn't have been able to review. Nah. Nah, I didn't, re- I didn't review. I still haven't played it. I probably don't have to buy it now as well, because it's probably coming to Xbox Game Pass soon. Yeah. Sure will be. There we go. It's, it's a very good remake. It, it, it is a very good re- Yeah, minus the third one, because it got outsourced. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> mm. But the first one is incredible. Yeah, it is fantastic. Two is still pretty good. Still pretty good, but like kind of dips a little bit. But yeah, three is kind of a mess. Ah, that's a bummer. Like they redesigned all the dragon designs in the first one. Yeah, instead of being just like the same two or three character models, like each dragon that you collect has its own unique model, its own unique design. We were like, oh, we can make these as D&D characters. Oh yeah, because like the worlds are based on like magic, war, like swamplands and stuff like that. You can easily turn them into D and D characters. I'm I'm excited to play it. Like I've always been more of a Spyro guy rather than a Crash guy. Yeah, it's a lot more chill. Yeah, yeah more, exactly. More sandbox. More 3D platformer. Then yeah, I'm going to die because I didn't get the shadow right. Hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll pass on Crash, I reckon. It's fun, but it it's it is so difficult. Yeah. I I remember playing it back in the day as well. Isn't isn't the insane trilogy technically harder? It yes. has a harder level. It it has a level that was cut from the original game because it was deemed too hard. That's right. For all the masochists out there. Yep. Um, so that is, so that was named that game and that is our podcast episode 27. Uh, we'll probably look, there might be a delay on episode 28 cause I'm going to be in Columbia, which is going to be fun. Um, so whether you guys do an episode, just the two of you and I edit while I'm there or whether we come back another time, but we'll, we'll have to play it by ear, but yes. I'm glad we glad we got this one out. This one's going to go out a little bit early as well for everyone as kind of an apology, I suppose for, for the next one. But I hope you guys enjoyed, and remember to send in the uh, Patreon questions, because, yeah, it felt a bit weird not doing a question this time. So, yeah, definitely definitely remember, you, you know, you've got our Discord. You can do it there, which is pinned to, to the top of our Twitter page. Uh, that's that Switch- Switchaboo. At Switchaboo News, yep. Oh, yeah. Um, you've got our Facebook. You couldn't get Switchaboo, could you? Yeah, we tried. It was like an eight-year-old girl who had it. Oof. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Wait, an eight-year-old girl to Twitter? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like, are you 13? Yes. Okay. Like, didn't you ever play RuneScape and, and lie about your age? No, I didn't play RuneScape. Didn't get much chance to play PC games. Really? Yeah. I would have thought you out of everyone would have played RuneScape. Yeah, never got the chance to play it. Jake, did you play RuneScape? I did not. We, I'm the only one here who's played RuneScape. Yep. I never understood. I played, um, what was it, Battle On? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. <laughs> the uh, free-to-play WoW, basically. Yeah, pretty much. It, it was, it's a free-to-play, like, turn-based RPG that was made in Flash. Adventure Quest. Oof. Oof. Yeah. So was... RuneSca- RuneScape was the MMO before World of Warcraft. Yes. Yeah. RuneScape was great. I, I still never going. understood the appeal. People are still playing it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, old school yeah, old school RuneScape is still huge. Oh yeah. Um anyway, so yeah, Facebook, Instagram, so uh at Switchaboo, Patreon. Uh again for just one dollar per month you can get this podcast a few days early. And our YouTube pages, uh youtube.com slash switchaboo and at switchaboo joy place. But thank you everyone for listening and remember to have fun. We'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs>